Last week was all about walking in the. Or last week was all about the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit, deeds of the flesh. Paul gave us a list of the fruits of the spirit, deeds of the flesh. What we're going to see, he's ending the chapter right here. He's ending the book right here with this last chapter, Galatians chapter 6. And what he's going to show us is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Uh, he's told us about walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He told us that last week in chapter 5. And then he listed the fruits of the Spirit, listed the deeds of the flesh. He's going to show us what it looks like to walk in the spirit and have those fruits manifested what's the one thing that well i'll, I'll answer my own question as we start off but um you can't yeah it saves time you cannot you cannot manifest the fruits of the spirit unless you are in fellowship with the brethren it's impossible and by fellowship i don't just mean coming and sitting on a on a pew uh, the reason I say that, and I'm going to show it to you from the text here in, in chapter 6, but the reason I say that, we talked about it last week, about the fruits of the Spirit are love and patience and kindness and meekness and gentleness. and I mean, you can't show those fruits sitting at home, you know, in the recliner. Uh, you can't show those, you can show those fruits out in the world, I guess. But the the building of those building and the maturing and growing of those fruits happens when, uh, for instance, you you grow in your patience when somebody tests your patience, you know. And it, we are commanded and called to love each other because Christ loves us. He loves us, and so some of us are kind of hard to love, you know. I know all y'all looking at me. Yeah, no, just go figure. But that's sanctification. That's us growing. So that's what we're going to look at. And that's what Paul's going to tell us. The very first thing he says in chapter 6. Uh, he, uh, huh? This is my favorite verse. Your favorite verse? It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 2 with it. It says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Can you fulfill the law of Christ without bearing one another's burdens? No. What is the law of Christ? That is, we saw that in chapter 5. Love fulfills the law. Love for God, love for your neighbor. That fulfills the law of God. It says, and so he's showing us what it looks like. What it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Now, you, we can think that walking in the Spirit means, you know, that you're, you know, I get the picture of when I think of walking in the Spirit like I'm some kind of monk or some kind of just highly spiritual uh, guru guy, you know, just some kind of, some kind of, you know, this guy is just, he just prays all day long and he fasts all day long and he whatever. But for Paul, walking in the Spirit means demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit in the body of believers. Demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit as you go and bear one another's burdens. Uh, when it says, restore the fallen brother, that word restore means like to rebuild. It's used for, it's used for uh, remaking fishing nets. It's used in the Bible for rebuilding walls. It's used uh, and 
the connection to the fruits of the Spirit is meekness. Why do we have to, why do we have to restore the f- fallen brother in a spirit of meekness? Because she can't be all arrogant and be like, I know all the answers. I mean, how would they listen to you if you're coming at them like that? That's, that's exactly what he says. He says, uh, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It's easy for us to look at somebody who is caught. That's the picture we see here is, is somebody who's overtaken in a sin. Somebody who's caught in a sin. If, if, if you live a lifestyle practicing sin, we'll see that here in, <clears throat> later in chapter 6, uh, then you're not one of the brethren. Uh, but if a person is caught, is it possible for one of the brethren to be overtaken in the sin? Is it possible for them to stumble? Is it possible for them to do awful things? Yes, most certainly. He says, if one of you is caught in a sin, he says, you who are spiritual. Does that mean me or Brother Eddie? Who is spiritual ones? Is that just the pastor going to handle it? Sunday school teacher going to handle it? Yeah, should be everyone in the body. You are. You should be walking in the spirit. You should be investing in the lives of fellow believers. You should be. Uh, you should be uh, the one who is ready, able, and willing to restore the brethren. What does it mean to restore him? To build them up. To build them up. Yeah. To 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 come along and tell them that sin is okay. No, that's not what it means. But what does it mean to build up a fallen brother? Like bring them back. Bring them back. Okay. Give me examples. Well, you would give them godly instructions. Give them godly instructions. You would show them love. You would restore them. Restore them by. You know, demonstrating the gospel that we have forgiveness in Christ. If we would turn, repent, and trust in Him, forgiveness is available. Huh? Show them love. Definitely. Love, yeah. And that's what it says. It says, He says, uh, I keep looking at chapter 5. He says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so by bearing one another's burdens, you fulfill the law of Christ. That law of Christ is love. And don't don't miss the fact that meekness, see where it says in verse 1, you which are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Where have we seen that word before? Meekness. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. That's how we know. You see what I'm saying? He's showing us how these fruits of the Spirit are demonstrated in the body of Christ. It's a spirit of meekness is how we restore the brothers considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And this is the first thing that we do is we restore the fallen brother. And the second thing he shows us is that we support the brethren. Uh, Bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if any man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Does that contradict itself? No. Okay, why? It said, bear one another's burdens at verse 2. Verse 5, it says each man will bear his own burden. you got to check yourself, too, before you can... You didn't talk to anybody else about stuff. Well, that's true. But if each man bears his own burden, how do we bear each other's burdens? Could say because we're one in Christ. Okay. Well, oh, that's true. <laughs> I love technicalities. Nothing wrong with technicalities. 
Uh, we are to bear one another's burden. You can't walk in the Spirit alone. Now, listen to me. Please hear me. You, unless you have, unless you are sharing your life in fellowship with other believers. I'm not talking about just attendance. That's not what we're talking about. Unless you are investing, unless you are the one who is bearing one another's burden, unless you are the one who other people are helping you bear your burden, unless you are the one who is walking in fellowship with, it doesn't have to be, you know, here we're at Christ Church, so I'm going to say you got to be here. Now, if this ain't your thing, and you or you move to... Alabama somewhere, that's fine. You got to find you a local body there. You got to find you a place where you can fellowship with a local group of of believers wherever it is that you are and you have to not just fellowship, but you have to invest your life in them. You have to you have to be one that somebody's going to come and ask you to help bear their burden. You got to be one that is uh, willing to let other people bear your burden. And if you don't, the root of that is not you know, I am not one who, I am not one who readily, I'm not very, what's the word? Warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy. That's kind of not me. I, I'm a little fuzzy, but not warm. Um, we, we, uh, yeah, we, I, I'm kind of a lone person. You know, I don't want nobody bugging me, and I really don't want to be bugging y'all. And, you know, that's just... Kind of the way, kind of the way I am. You know, I, if if I got stuff going on in my life, I'm probably not going to be just running loose and throwing them all over you. Probably going to try to deal with it myself. Is that a good thing? No. What is it? Selfish. It's selfish and it's prideful. It is prideful. Why is it prideful? See, that that don't even make sense from a worldly perspective. It doesn't make sense from a worldly perspective. You're saying that you don't need anyone else to help you. You're saying that you don't need, that I can handle this myself. I don't need anybody else to help me. I don't need nobody to tell, to lift me up, build me up. I don't need none of that stuff. That is pride. And it says so right here in the text. That's just not my opinion. It says, look, it says we are supposed to be uh, restoring the fallen brethren. Verse 2 says, We are supposed to be bearing one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then 4, because, verse 3, it is basically he's saying, This is if you don't. He's saying, Because if a man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he's deceiving himself. That's, the, that's what happens. That's the root of when I refuse to fellowship, when I refuse to share. The word fellowship means to share, to share all things, to, I I use the word invest your life, and that's, you know, to whatever, but to refuse to fellowship with the brethren is, at the root, prideful. Now, it's a little easier, I mean, when the whole world comes crashing down upon you, you, you might reach out and say, I, I just need somebody to help me. And it's a little easier to do that. It's a little easier to do that. But most of the time when, unless something awfully tragic is not happening, when just we're going through the stresses and the turmoils of life and things are just going on and, you know, work stinks and I'm having trouble paying this bill or, you know, my car blew up, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. Whatever, when those things go on, we tend to, we tend to, 
think that we don't need we don't need each other. We don't need other people to help bear our burdens. We don't need other people to to build us up and be in fellowship with us. And Paul makes sure that we know that the root of that is is pride. And pride was one of the deeds of the flesh in the fifth chapter. It was not one of the fruits of the spirit. One of the fruits of the spirit was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Okay, everybody understand that? Bearing one. Yes, I'm sorry. Then how do you how do you bear your own burden and also? Right, okay, yeah. I didn't answer that, did I? Let's get to it. Take it in the context of verse 4. It says, We just saw, for if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. The one who refuses to bear one another's burdens, which means that doesn't mean just one guy takes on another's burden and relieves him, and so now he's double burdened. That means both guys are bearing one another's burdens. That makes sense? It says, the one who refuses to do that, the one who denies doing that, is the one who thinks too highly of himself. He says, and if that's you, and you think too highly of himself, verse 4 says, but let every man prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. What happens, what happens, and if you look into your heart, you, you can see this. You look into your own, your own life, you can see this. I can see it in me, clear as day. Uh, what happens is, when someone falls into whatever, a sin, a burden, when, when something happens, uh, our tendency, uh, when we come and we say, you know what, I'm just, I ain't got time for that. I'm not going to be involved in that. I'm not going to, you know. What you're doing, what you're doing implicitly is you're comparing. You're comparing yourself, your works, to them. And you're saying, you're saying, you know what, basically it boils down to the same thing you said before was pride. But he, it, it boils down to saying, you know what, um, whatever they did, they, they, you know, they deserve what they got. They must have done something. And you compare yourself by them. You compare your works by them. Let me give you an example. Maybe it will illustrate what I'm saying. Um... Valerie and Doug's car blew up this weekend. And so they have a burden on them. If I come alongside them, if I'm in their fellowship, if I'm in their Sunday school class, and I am. But if I if I come and I and I say and it, and I, t- I say, you know what, well that's that's really just their problem. I'm not gonna get involved. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make myself available for them if they need anything. I'm not gonna be one who is who they know that they can count on or they can call. I'm not going to do any of those things. I am, number one, thinking of myself more highly than I ought. I think that I, I'm just too busy for all that. I deserve my own free time. I deserve my own. I don't, I don't have to be bothered with all those kind of things. And also, I'm thinking, my, I'm thinking of myself more highly than I ought because uh, I'm thinking that, you know, uh, I'm comparing myself. Let me put it. How did I put it in the outline? I brought one with me. <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm, I'm saying, let me read it. It says, but let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. For every, that's what's throwing me off. That word rejoicing is, uh, is translated, is also translated boasting later on. And so that's what I was thinking was boasting. Uh, it says, 
But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have boasting in himself alone. Do we ever have boasting in ourselves alone? Can you ever boast in yourself? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, Should you? No. no. Okay. All right. Um, where does Paul say? I'm not saying it's good. I can do it. Yes, you can do it. <laughs> we have opportunity. Let's go. Let me trouble me. Where does it say? Where Paul says in this chapter, I boast in the cross alone. God, yeah, glory. He translated glory. But God, verse 14 says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul doesn't boast in himself alone. What, it, what he's saying, what he's saying in verse 4, that's what had me thrown off. Verse 3 and 4 say, For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. And instead of doing that, let every man prove his own work. Let him watch his own life. You cannot compare yourself to the guy next to you and say, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Because God is not going to compare you to the guy next to you. God is not going to compare you. If you say, you know what, I'm not really going through any hard times like they're going through. I can handle everything myself. That's kind of the context that it's talking about here. I don't really need people to help bear my burdens. I'm, I'm good. I don't want none of these people messing with me. Uh, if that's you, then you have prideful. You're, you're prideful for one thing. But second thing, you are judging yourself, comparing yourself to other people. Because you're saying, you know what, I, I really, my stuff don't stink really. You know, I don't really have to, I don't have the burdens that all them folks have. And I, I really don't need it. I don't need anybody to kind of help me of those things along. And it says, Paul's saying here, you need to assess yourself based on God's standard, not based on everybody else's standard. And if you judge yourself by your own works, if you decide to boast, and it's hypothetical, then you can boast in yourself and not boast because of someone else. Does that make sense? That's kind of confusing, even sounding, coming out. What? Help me clarify. No, actually, what, what it reminds me of is Paul's almost saying, well, if you don't want to, you know, bear one another's burdens, you know, just go ahead on with your bad self. And, and, <laughs> you know, and, and you just, just boast in yourself and carry your own burden see where that gets you. Yeah. And there's, there, I, I think that, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. It, I love the sarcastic Paul for sure. But we also need to notice that there's two different words for burden here. It's translated burden, but there's two different words. The first one is an oppressive uh, load that's impossible to carry, hard to, you know, it, and the second one is is uh, it would it's translated in the Bible and other places it's called load and not burden. A burden is something that's oppressive. A load is something that you just carry. And so, what I think, and you know, I'm not going to die on this hill, but what I think Paul's saying is that before, when you stand before God, you're going to bear your own. You're going to bear your own deal. Every bucket's going to sit on his own bottom, as Brother Eddie says. And so there's not going to be anyone to help you bear your burden when you stand before God. Uh, and that's why, because we know that we could very easily fall into temptation, just like that brother in verse 1 says, you restore that brother considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Because we know that 
it's just as easy for me to fall into temptation or suffering a trial than it is for somebody else, then I understand that that's the reason we come together to bear one another's burdens because each of us will stand before God, not in a group of people where we can say, hey, I'm better than all these people. You'll stand all by yourself and you'll stand against the only thing he'll compare you to is the law of God. And if you do, if you are perfect in everything, then, you know, fine, rock on. But if not, you're going to you're going to need a savior. Does that make sense? You see what he's saying? He's he's contrasting two people. One guy bears one another's burdens knowing that man I could fall just as easily as this guy's fall. I could be I could be in his spot easy. And so because of that, I kind of empathize with him. I kind of sympathize with him. I kind of come along and help him and say, "Look, you know, man, I it, this could happen to me. So if it would happen to me, I'd want somebody to come and rebuild me, somebody build me up and come in. And so you empathize with them. The guy who says, I really don't worry about bearing other people's burdens. I got it all covered. I don't have to worry about all that kind of thing. That is selfish pride. That's a person who thinks I'm too good to fall. You know, I'll never fall so far that I'll need somebody else's help. You know, I'll never, I'll never be that guy, you know, that, that uh, needs other people to come around me and bear burdens and all those kind of things. And so you're, it's contrasting coming off of the teaching of the fruits of the Spirit. It's contrasting the deeds of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit as they are manifested in the body of believers. Does that make sense? Is there any questions? Can you all see that that's what Paul's talking about here? Wow, you're quiet. I must have did a good job. Karen, you understand? You're looking confused. See? Huh? Huh? Danny's talking for you. Does anybody... I didn't say... I, I was just... You look like you didn't understand. Anybody don't understand, please? Tell... I didn't mean that either. So when he says, bear your own burden, everyone bear their own burden, Well, actually, it's not a command. The command is bear one another's burden. It's a statement that he makes that says every man will bear his own burden. See what I mean? So what I'm thinking, what I think is that he is talking about, huh? I said that is the difference. I see that now. But what he's talking about is that he's talking about um, understanding that you and I are just as frail as the guy across the room that needs his burden bared at this particular time. And if we are not making ourselves available to the brethren, if we're not, and that doesn't mean like holding up a sign that I'm here to bear your burden, you know, come to me, I can bear your burden. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that uh, the people that you are in fellowship with know that they can call on you, know that they can, that you're available, know that you're there in case they need you or, you know, that you are, you have invested yourself in such a way that the brethren, you know, understand that, that you're there. That you're going to be there, you know. Uh, we we talk about this all the time about a lot of a lot of Wednesday nights. We have prayed for people that were sick. We have prayed for people that were going through things. We have prayed for people that have serious serious problems. And it seems, you know, and this is just my point of view. And uh, of course, I, I think it's true, but. Uh, it seems that some people, I'm not going to say all or a lot, some people uh, only come on Wednesday night when they want somebody to pray for somebody. When they have a need. 
And what Paul is saying here is, you don't, you don't, you don't come just because you need something. You come when you need something, of course. But you also come because there's others that need something. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about bearing one another's burdens here. We're not talking about just showing up so the church can bear my burden. And then once my burden has been born, I go back home in my recliner until I need something else. I mean, we all know people like that. You know, you know how you feel when they call up. And you're thinking, well, you won't now. I mean, I know you want something. You don't never call that you need anything. <clears throat> He's talking about bearing one another's burden. And he's telling the person who says, you know what, I just don't think I need nobody to bear my burden. He's telling them, don't think of yourself more highly than, than you should because you need to watch yourself because you could easily be this person that's you know, needing to be prayed for, needing to have that burden. You could easily be. It's not but by the grace of God. I... <clears throat> I can see it in my own heart. You know, I used to, most of y'all know my, whatever, my deal. I can see it in my own heart. If, if Christ were ever, it's not possible, but if Christ were ever to leave me or the Holy Spirit leave me, I'd go right back to being who I was. I guarantee it. I mean, there's no, there's evil. Just like Paul said, you know, there's nothing good in me that dwells in my flesh. I guarantee you, I'd go right back. And so understanding that, I know that the man who comes and he's, you know, he's overtaken in a fault. That's what Paul said in verse one. That could just as easily be you or just as easy to be me. I mean, it's no, the only thing, the only reason today as I'm standing here that it hasn't happened is because the grace of God. I mean, that's the only reason. And so when we recognize that. It, make us, it makes us empathize with our brothers and our sisters who go through things and who suffer things and who have issues with things because we know that I'm not above it and you're, you're not above it. I was going to say you're certainly not above it, but you're, you're not above it. I'm not above it. And uh, it could be, it, I mean, it's just by the grace of God that we're, not, that we're not falling. And so the person who says, you know what, I'm not going to, I don't really need to be there. You know, and I, like the lady. Okay, I, I need to hurry up. But if I told you a story about the lady with the son, with the, no, I'm not even going to tell you who it is. But the lady that says, she, most of y'all don't even know her because she comes and she sneaks in after service starts and sneaks out before service is done. So if you sit anywhere between midway to the front, you've never seen her before. Uh, but we used to have. Sunday school, you know, three Sunday school classes in Sanctuary, and uh, the two youth classes and Johnny Wayne and Dean's class was was there, and uh, she'd come and she would sit right in the middle of Sanctuary during Sunday school. And I guess she called herself listening to all three classes. And so, you know, being the compassionate person that I am, I, uh, what you laughing at? <laughs> uh, I went over to her and I said, you know, you don't have to just sit here through Sunday school. I mean, this is the beginning of Sunday school. Like, you're going to sit here an hour. We've got Sunday school classes. I got, there's women's class over there. At, at that time, there was a marriage class over there. There's, there's ladies class here, ladies class over there. Or you can go to, you know, whatever. At this time, uh, I, I was teaching youth class. I wasn't in here. <clears throat> and so she said, oh, no, I don't need to be in no Sunday school class. And I said, well, you know, I'm trying not to be... Uh, you know, 
abrasive. And I said, yeah. I said, but you see, if something happens and you get sick or you're not here for a few weeks, it's your Sunday school class that's going to let us know. And it's your Sunday school class that's going to bring you meals and, you know, just reach out to you and minister to you and all those things. She said, I don't, I don't need anybody doing that for me. You know, I'm good. I don't, I don't need nothing like that. I don't, I don't. And so I said, okay. Well, guess what happened? Not three months later, she was gone for four or five weeks and nobody knew. I didn't know. And she showed back up on some crutches, had knee, had, had knee surgery, and she said, I can't believe nobody from the church even called. And what did I say? I can't believe they didn't either. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I, oh, I thought you didn't need, you know, I had all kind of stuff I wanted to say. But that's the deal. Sat in the sanctuary and thought way too highly of herself. Thought she was a whole lot stronger than we was. And let's face it, I mean, we're, we're, we're not babies. When you miss three or four weeks and you're in the hospital, if don't nobody that... Supposed to love you, even check on you. It hurts. I don't care who you are. I don't care how. I, I, look, I'll probably hang, if I get in the hospital, I'm gonna hang a sign on my door that says "No visitors," so don't feel bad. But even then, it hurt. I'm just saying I could. Why would you come visit me every day? That's why, right? <laughs> Independent, you think you are, She's and no, huh? <laughs> She'll be wait till I'm asleep, and they'll order me a enema yeah. or something. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how independent you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. When nobody checks on you and nobody cares, it hurts. And it's no fun. It stinks. But what um, if you don't want to be a burden to somebody? Oh, please. Shut up, gentlemen. <laughs> Shut up. Well, if in the, it's okay to not be a burden. If you got people... There's, there's ways... Like, all I can think of to give you is examples. Like, if your Sunday school class or the people that love you, the people that you fellowship with, whatever, it doesn't have to just be Sunday school, but if they, you know, you have surgery and they bring you a couple of meals, you know, and they want to do meals for you for the next four months, uh, that's being a burden. You know, you can say, that is completely unnecessary. You don't have to do that, whatever. But if you say, if, and this is a heart issue, so I can't tell you definitively where the line is. But if you say that I'm just not going to let anyone minister to me because I don't want to be a burden, that is prideful. Okay? Everybody understand? Because the people, listen, listen, we've seen that from verse chapter 5 and 6. The fruits of the Spirit only grow when they are exercised. The fruits of the Spirit only grow when they exercise. So when you tell the person that's in your fellowship, I don't want you to exercise your love for me, you're hindering their fruit, spiritual fruit from growing. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? <laughs> Now, that can be taken advantage of. So I'm not saying, don't fall in either ditch. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, 
that you have to go run and jump whenever they call you for the 20th time saying you need something. I'm not saying that at all. There's a balance that has to be drawn. But the allowing someone to love you is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's a part of their... It's not just about you being loved on. It's about them exercising their fruits of the Spirit and growing in those fruits. So that's why it says bearing one another's burden. It's not just I'm a burden that everybody has to bear all the time. You know what I mean? We all know them folks. You know, And I, I don't have much patience with the one who needs their burden bared 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, there comes a time when... Uh, well, I'll just tell you that story what later. What if they're just needy? And needy? Huh? What if they're just like really needy? They may be needy, but there comes a time when you need to grow. You need to grow and spiritually grow. You need to understand that life is not all about you. So there's not you, but the person needs to understand that. So going back to but the text. So going back to the text, there was a time for every man to bear his own burden. But, but back to what Judy was saying, I think sometimes it's more of a challenge to allow someone to bear your burden. I guarantee uh, absolutely. Than, than, it is, than it is to reach out and help someone else. We're not going to we're going to do this rest of this chapter next week. But specific too, like you might be willing to let your close friends help you out, but not someone that you. Don't why is it hard to? You're right. Why is it hard? Why is it hard? I don't know that. I can. Yeah. They don't know my life. I don't have a problem bearing somebody else's burdens because that's kind of I've gotten used to it. Really, that's kind of what I do. It's kind of what I've chosen to do with my life: is to help people bear their burdens, teach them the word of God, minister but you don't to want them. Nobody helping me. But I have a problem with people helping me. And why is that so? Why do I have a problem letting other people help me it's bear my burden? Because Dana can help you and you'd be okay with that. No, I don't let Dana bear my burdens either. Do I have a problem help letting you bear my burdens? I mean, if you want to say laundry's a burden, then yeah, she bears my burdens. But I'm talking about, because she does all, all, all that stuff. I'm talking about spiritual, emotional, bear your burdens. Yes. Okay. Well, think, you feel like your bird is so small that you can handle it on your own. So why trouble someone else that's probably got it? You know, so we keep it to ourselves. Maybe so. But sometimes do you feel like maybe... Dang! I think, I think it says confess your own fault. But you're right. But <laughs> No, that's the answer to the question. We don't want other people help bearing our burdens because of pride. Well, because pride. we don't want to uh, necessarily open ourselves up to feel vulnerable. And sometimes we don't. Especially I, I might be still looked up to in this way, but now I'm now you're not, not as strong as they perceive me to be. For some so. reason, we think that church people have it all going on, have it all, got it all together. And what that means is when we see somebody who don't have it going together, we're like, can you believe what so-and-so did the other day? Can you believe? I can't even believe. I'm mad. And so we don't want people to know that, you know, I got a struggle in this area. I got a struggle. And, you know, because once we do that, once you let that out of the bag, then it's like all of a sudden they'll be looking at me forever. Well, guess what? You know, I got news for you. Everybody in this room has a struggle with something. 
I don't care. I mean, we can go down the list. And if we opened up your mind, opened up your heart, we would all, if I threw your thoughts on the screen this Sunday, that everything you thought of last week, you'd all be going, ooh. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. We all have, we all have issues. We, huh? Yeah, nobody's bringing you nothing. That's why it's that's why it's important. Both sides bearing one another's burden doesn't mean one guy gets burdened and the other guy doesn't have a burden because he took it off him. It means both bear each other's burdens. Let me throw verse six in here and then we'll go to the next section next week. Verse six shows also that the one who is having his burden bore has a duty to minister. Shut up. Every time I every time I say duty, you're gonna giggle. Yes, yes, uh, yes. He has a duty to to minister to the one who is bearing his burden. This is verse six says, "Let him who is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches him all good things." So it's not just the strong guy. If you're a strong guy, you're supposed to be bearing one another's burden. No, it's the strong and the weak have a duty to the brethren. They have a duty to bear one another's burdens. Even the one who is being helped by someone bearing his burden has a duty to has a duty to minister all good things to the one who is helping him. Do you see? It's it's both parties are both ones have a have a responsibility an obligation an obligation an obligation you have if you are a Christian if you are saved you're born again you have an obligation to the body of Christ like it or not you have an obligation and you are either fulfilling that obligation or you are neglecting that obligation it's one of the two it doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with everybody that's in the congregation out there that's not what it means it means that you have to have your life invested with a group of people so much so that they understand that they can call you and they can lean on you and they can you will help them bear their burdens and you will you will Seek for other people to bear your burdens. You don't. You don't go off in a corner and be Lone Ranger Christian, which there's no such thing. There is uh, the fruits of the spirit are manifest as they are used. They're grown as they're manifest in the body of believers. You can't grow in patience unless people try your patience. Can't grow in meekness unless. You Show in the spirit of meekness. Can't grow in gentleness, self-control. You can't grow in any of those things unless they're tested. And the only way they're tested is by people that get on your nerves. So does the church get on your nerves? Yes. Yes. Is the people in the church that's hard to love? Yes. Yes. Look down your row. If you don't see somebody that's hard to love, it's probably you. Uh, if you... <laughs> Yes, it's people. Yeah, it'll come back around to you. If, uh, if, listen, it hurts. Getting involved in people's lives is a messy business. It's a messy, hurtful, and it takes... It takes strength to put yourself out there again and again and again. But understand that when people try your patience, when people uh, when people force you, when you lose your self-control with people, that is the spirit growing you in those fruits. It's growing you in patience. It's growing you in self-control. It's growing you in meekness.
meekness and kindness and gentleness and, and all those things. It's growing you. The only way to grow those things in you is to force you to push the boundaries of those things. You see what I mean? I feel like we should say thank you, Jason, for, for showing us all Yeah, things. because I'm, I'm a sanctifying element in your life. Is that what you're saying? Helping my patience. She's, she said she said I grow her patience. Alright, we we're, we we got nowhere near finished, so we'll just continue. The the rest of this chapter is about reaping what you sow. And that's gonna directly tie into what we're talking about. So you you're gonna you you can't think that you isolate yourself and just go on off and, and, and you're you're actually sowing to the spirit. You're either sowing to the spirit or sowing to the flesh, and that's what it's gonna talk about. So we'll finish that next week and we'll start Acts the week after. Okay? Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the discussion you've allowed us to have and for the, the, the teaching that you've given us through the Apostle Paul to the letter of Galatia. We just ask God that you would um, be with us, Father, as we go into service. Uh, help us to understand.